Welcome to the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I will be hosting our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with various authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work has influenced the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we'll explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment cultivate student agency and understanding for each and every learner. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, Stevie Quaid is joining us to unpack the connection between community and agency. Stevie is a consummate and passionate learner. She's the co-author of Clock Watchers and the Just Right Challenge, a PEBC staff developer, keynote speaker, and presenter. In addition to her work with the PEBC, she provides consulting and coaching at international schools around the world. Welcome, Stevie. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Ready to get out and go do something, though. Yeah, I know. We are, you know, in the midst of the COVID-19 stay-at-home time here in Colorado. So I know you've had a lot of time to read and think, and you've been working with clients digitally in this virtual space. But tell us a little bit about your work um, in the international schools and here in the United States. What are you up to? Well, the work is actually pretty similar. Um, What I do is I support teachers and support schools around literacy, mostly literacy, in middle and high school, we think about standards. We think about really good instruction. You know, my life is the workshop model. I think I've been um, playing around with the workshop model since the mid six. I mean, mid eighties, not sixties, eighties. Um, that's long enough. Uh, and um, you know, and so that's what I do. As I go in, I do a little demonstration uh, teaching. Um, I celebrate the work that teachers are doing. We think about what else we can do and what difference it's making for the kids that are in their room. Well, and I know that you um, have worked with the PEBC for a long time, and you were instrumental in developing the PEBC Instructional Practices Continuum, which has evolved into the PEBC Teaching Framework. And when we look at that framework, there are six strands. There's planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment. I'm wondering if today we can dive into community, because I know that's one area that you're particularly passionate about. I am. I am. Community makes a huge, huge difference, you know, not only for the kids, but also for the teacher, for the teacher having a good time um, in that classroom and doing the kind of work that um, she or he needs to be doing. Well, let's start off with a big guiding question for our conversation, and then let's see where our conversation takes us. So first question, in what ways might we develop classroom communities that support agency and understanding for each and every learner? Uh, Michelle, when I think about that, I have to go back to my evolving understanding um, of what agency is. And so I want to kind of play with that for a, for a little bit. You know, when, when John and I wrote Clock Watchers, um, if you had talked to me about agency, I would have said, oh, yeah, it's choice. You know, look at choice in our book, and that's what you're, that's what we're going after. But, you know, I've done a lot of thinking since then, and it's so much more than choice, even though choice is an element in terms of, um, in terms of agency. But I think about Daniel Pink's drive, you know, and he talks about autonomy. Okay, so for me now, or at that point, uh, agency was about choice, but it was also about autonomy, about a learner having a decision um, or being able to voice his or her opinion and making decisions about his or her life. 
you know, and then um, recently I've gone back to Peter Johnston, um, both choice words and opening minds. And what I love about what he says is that when we have a sense of agency, we act strategically, that a student acts strategically. Okay, so the more I think about it, the richer that whole concept of agency is. So yeah, it's acting strategically. It's also being able to exert effort and a belief that your effort is going to make a difference. And autonomy is about caring about what you do. It's about ownership. It is about innovation. It's about action, that there's something that the kiddo is doing that really matters, you know, and I think about um, Carol Dweck. And then there's also independence. And what for me is ironic about this is that agency leads to independence, but it's built within community. And so then I start marrying community um, with agency. So I really appreciate the way that you just expanded that definition of agency and gave us so much to think about in terms of different researchers, different practitioners. Now, if we're going to take that definition or that understanding of agency that you just shared with us and link it directly to community, tell us a little bit more about how do you define community in a classroom? What does that mean? And then let's start combining those two concepts. If yeah, we can. yeah. Well, when I think about community, I think about this is my home. This is the home of every student in my classroom, that students know that they belong, they know that they matter, and that they know that they're known, and that they know that they're seen. You know, so there's a valuing of that individual there. And I think it's really up to the teacher to do everything that she or he can do to cultivate that sense of community, that sense of belonging, you know, and so that's where, that's what community is for me is, is a sense of belonging. This is my home. We can commune together. Hmm. It's so interesting to think about a classroom space as also being a home space, a space where we feel like we really truly belong. So in my mind, I'm making all sorts of inferences about the connections between agency and community. Uh What's going on in your mind when you think about those two? What's the connection? How are those two synergistic or how are they interplay together? Well, I think if a teacher is really intentional about um, developing agency within his or her students, that the teacher must be thinking about community. It must happen. Um, The student must be known. And why? If you think about agency and you think about a student is going to take the initiative, that the student is going to take a risk, that the student's going to try out an idea, that had better be a safe place for him or her to be able to do that. It better be a place where um, a silly idea will be valued because he knows if that silly idea really grows into something meaningful. That a student can say, I understand what you're saying, but I'm thinking about it this way. It has to be safe. And that student, like I said, you know, and I say this over and over and over, has to be known, has to be seen, so that a teacher can also build upon that student's strengths in order to launch him or her into a place in which that student can grow, um, can grow his or her uh, uh, sense of agency. So that 
teacher-student relationship is important, but I'm also inferring that that student-to-student relationship is very important. Yeah, in has, order to build the trust and well, and to be known, to be known. You know, I keep thinking about the time when John and I, and I think it was April, went into this one classroom, and this was a high school classroom. So these kids had been together for a year, almost a year, a school year. Um, and yet there were students who didn't know each other's names in that classroom. And we were both very, very surprised um, about this. But it hit us that sometimes we think about community at the beginning of the year, but we don't work at maintaining it. We don't um, put a value on the fact that all the kids should know each other and should have opportunities to work with each other. You know, that's when it's safe. Um, that's when you build that sense of trust. I also think about one of our lab hosts um, from years ago, Leslie Cochran, and she would gather her middle schoolers um, on the floor close to, this is overhead projector days, and they'd all come huddle up around her. And I remember talking to her at one point about, so so Leslie, why? Why bring them there? They're sitting on the floor. They're big. You know, some of them don't even fit comfortably on the floor. And she said, yeah, but if you're sitting next to somebody and you can almost feel them breathe, you're not going to be poking fun at them. I mean, you start getting to know somebody. You have that physical closeness. Now, that's kind of weird right now when I think about uh, the coronavirus and how six feet away from each other um, and ideally even more than that. You know, but it's still that sense of I know you, I see you, I value you. Wow. So we're thinking about relationships. We're thinking about an environment of proximity where students actually know each other and are comfortable even sharing space with one another. What other elements um, are connected to community for you when you think about community in a classroom? What else are you looking for? What are you listening for? Um, I'm listening for a sense of we. So that you hear kids saying, this is our classroom, this is what we do, where students understand what those agreements are about this is how we function together, um, and that I can talk to you about that. You know, I, I think about um, years ago also being in Sue Kempton's class, a kindergarten class. Now, I, I didn't visit Sue's class oftentimes because my um, area is typically middle and high school, and it was like, okay, so this is kindergarten, it'd be fun. But I think you might have been the one who said you've got to go see it. I think it probably was. Um, I learned so much about community um, in that class. And one of the big lessons around routines and rituals that Sue had set up was that there was a new student who joined the class the day that we were there. And one of the other kindergartners was assigned to be this new student's guide. So the new student learned how do we do kindergarten in this classroom from a fellow kindergartner. You know, now you want to talk about a beautiful routine and ritual uh, about a way of valuing um, the students who have been in that room and welcoming those who are new to it. I could have done that when I was in the high school because I had new kids joining me all of the time. You know, they all have to be welcomed. They have to know how it is that we do school within this classroom. They need to know how do we transition? How do we start the class? How do we work in a group? Um, and so when I think about groups, one of the things that I, I think that teachers oftentimes miss is being vigilant about how kids are sitting and who they're making eye contact with. Because too often there's one person who is left out and the others are doing the work without that invitation. And so I look at... Um, 
what the body language in the classroom. I look at the language. I look at invitations to join the conversation and student generating those invitations. Wow. So we've talked about relationships. We've talked about physical space. We've talked a little bit about rituals and routines. And now it sounds like we're heading into the idea of collaboration and working together. What does that look like to have a really smart partnership with eye contact and sharing ideas and being good listeners? Anything else that's kind of a look for or a listen for for you when you're thinking about community in a classroom? Oh, you know, it's so much about students understanding that this is where we are. This is, you know, like I said, this is how we do school. Um, as students being able to take the initiative and to make suggestions, um, students giving feedback about here's here's what I know would work better for me as a learner, or even advocating for their peers about this is what I know would work for Jose better um, as a learner. Um, you know, so extending opportunities to move forward. I want to see buy-in. I want to see engagement. Um, I want to see that everyone matters. So there's that concept of collective ownership and also individual ownership. Right. That disposition towards we are in this together, but that's also going to benefit me because I'm an active contributor to this community, to this learning community. Right. And if I'm going to really feel that I, as a student, feel that sense of agency, that my opinion matters, that my actions can impact what is happening in this classroom, I need to know that I belong in this classroom and that my opinion counts. Um, and I also need to know that I'll get the, this kind of support that I need in order to move me forward. So it's not that just go do it, baby. Um, it is, yeah, let's think about this together. What are ways that you need support? Here's a place that you might go. Here's who you might talk to. Here's how you might shine. So yeah, collective responsibility. So when we think about that idea of community, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And when we think about the PBC teaching framework, there's other strands. And just like any really strong rope, you, if you unravel the strands, they're not, it's not as strong. Exactly. So we think about, we've really focused in on community itself. We know it connects to our planning, workshop, thinking strategies. We've talked a little bit about discourse, assessment. Um, but I think a lot of our listeners might appreciate hearing some ideas or suggestions how do you create the kind of community that you just described? What are some concrete actions that teachers might take if they want to bolster their community or shift the community in their own classrooms or even in their schools? Oh, Michelle, I think that the very first thing is, is that a teacher has to be clear about what his or her ver vision is for that sense of community um, and has to be really clear about why it matters. Um, now, this will kind of be still a little airy-fairy or, you know, a little bit in the, in the theory. Um, but the teacher has to understand that those, quote-unquote, touchy-feely things that we do in terms of building community actually lend themselves um, to academic success, um, actually highlight and enhance student engagement. Um, so... At the very beginning of the year, uh, teachers encouraging kids to uh, talk about who they are as a reader, as a writer, as a mathematician, as a scientist, 
to share what's my history um, as a student, and then to share those also with other students. So at that point, not only is the teacher getting to know the student, but the students are getting to know each other. There's something that John and I wrote about also called passion posters, where at the very beginning of the year, students create these passion posters about this is what I'm excited about. This is what I love. This is what I do in the spare time. Maybe here's what I read. And to have those, even in a high school, posted on the classroom so that a teacher can refer to them and can build many lessons around passions that the students have within that classroom, can really build from that strength, but also so that other kids can. You know, so that's a, that's a really concrete, really a concrete action. But I think that a teacher also at the beginning of the year and throughout the year needs to figure out what is it that she can do in order to get student voice in that classroom. And I mean, physical, literal voice in that classroom within the first five minutes. You know, can the teacher immediately have kids turn and talk? Can the teacher, whatever, but something to get to get voice on. Um, I think monitoring, monitoring the sense of community for a teacher to be continually asking herself, um, so who are we as a group and how do I know that? What's my evidence? Um, and what are the stories those students are going to tell about this classroom and creating those opportunities for that? You know, so it's a lot of reflection. It's about doing those touchy-feely things um, with a purpose, knowing that they matter. It's getting kids into groups and sharing stories and sharing experiences and mixing those groups up and a teacher monitoring how those groups are functioning. So Stevie, as I'm listening, I'm thinking about intentionality. And it appears that cultivating a classroom community that promotes agency and understanding takes planning and intentionality and reflection in the same ways in which we might approach our content. And that's a critical point because too often it's about either we do something that's just kind of fun or we do something that's serious around our content. And, you know, um, Daniel Goleman, I remember the, the old book, um, Emotional Intelligences, you know, he argues pretty darn strongly uh, that emotions and academics are so tightly interwoven that we make a mistake when we pull them apart. And then, you know, George Curis with um, his innovation mindset, mm -hmm. you know, he, he talks about how social capital, which is really talking about community, actually makes a diff more of a difference in terms of student achievement than money. Um, applied to education. You know, there's a strong evidence there that we have to be thinking about both. And we are absolutely not sacrificing our content when we take out time to do something that is an intentional community builder. Stevie, thank you so much. I think as we wrap up today, I'd like to kind of contextualize our conversation into the here and now and to the what's coming next. Um, we know that recently schools have had a dramatic change with distance or remote learning, whichever phrase folks use. As we you know, wrap up this school year and head into the 2021 school year, schools most likely will look different. Um, there will maybe be some differences in configuration and how you know, 
classrooms look and sound and the amount of time students are sending in schools until we're able to resume our kind of regular traditional kind of school life. If you um, had an opportunity to share one or two ideas with our listeners, what would be important for teachers to be thinking about in order to establish community in the fall, knowing that there might be some distance or remote learning, or ways in which to kind of bolster up community that dissipated so rapidly in the spring? You know what's so interesting about your question, Michelle, is that I think about um, some of the lab teachers that we have and their conversations um, about what life is like now doing their learning remotely. And every single one of them has talked about the importance of building that community, a strong community within their classroom so that they can continue doing the work that they're doing remotely. That spending that time up front, um, being intentional about knowing the kids, about helping them understand the routines and the rituals and how they really belong together makes a difference um, with that. That helps them also. Um, in this just crazy, crazy time of ours. You know, and I think about um, Kirsten Myers-Blake and the book club discussions that she has even remotely. You know, she figured out how to set up some chat rooms. And because she had worked with the kids for so, I mean, so hard and so seriously about valuing their ideas and how they can build off each other, they were able in a remote situation to continue having those kinds of conversations. I mean, they were beautiful beautiful to watch. And the fun thing is, is that she was able to capture it um, on film or it's not film anymore, but capture it <laughs> virtually um, so that this they can be used as models in the future. So I think it's just focusing as much as one possibly can. And then even in a remote um, context to think about what are the tools that we have where we can really support the work that, that we're doing so that they still have voice they still can think together and contribute and follow their passions. Stevie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it was just a pleasure to see you and talk with you and think about community and agency. I know that you um, really opened my mind today to thinking about intentionality in a different way, and I'm sure you have for our listeners as well. Anything uh, before we wrap up? No, thank you. I love the work of PEBC. It sure has helped me grow as a, as an educator and as someone who is supporting other teachers. But I just love the work that we do. Thank you, Stevie. You're an incredible thank you. mentor. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together bolstered your agency and understanding. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Wendy Ward-Hoffer's newest book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. <laughs>